Is it, is it, is it difficult to move this pulpit down there? Is that possible? Easy? I've always wanted to do this. I don't like to be so far away from you. No. Thank you. No, I mean down there. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. As I walk on this campus, uh, my heart's thrilled. A lot of you don't have any idea who I am. uh, uh, And because of the introduction that I was received, you know even less, because it's very gracious of him to say that. But I want want you to know that I've been away for a long time, uh, and that's how he could give me that kind of introduction. Um, (laughs) I, I didn't deserve a word of that, none whatsoever. I am a fellow struggler uh, who has the blessing of God each day uh, beyond measure. Uh, I, I, I just can't believe God lets me do what he lets me do and lets me work with the people he lets me work with. And as I walk on this campus today, my heart is just overflowing with thankfulness to God just to be here a little bit. You guys get to be here every day. I get to be here a couple of times a year for an hour or two. That's all I get to be here. Especially those of you who are new. You, you don't have any possible way, just after a few weeks, to, have, to really understand how significant it is that God has brought you to this place. I mean, I travel the globe. I mean, this time so far, it's been a slow year. I've only been to Europe eight times because I, I took a month off and just worked in the office. Uh, and I, I go back and forth across America, I don't know how many times, at least that many times uh, so far this year. Uh, and... All these places I go and all the countries I go, last trip was three weeks in eight countries. I just got back uh, Monday night from Moscow. Uh, And I see the blessing of God everywhere, but I don't see it in the way that I see it at the Master's College. There is not a school like this on this planet that I know of. Nowhere on the planet. There's not a school that, that has captured, in my mind, the leadership of this school has captured the mind of God. Captured the mind of God in a very practical way. And God has brought you here to be trained trained and to leave you here focused and I want to talk about cause today if you do you have a cause in your heart do you have a cause in your heart how many of you really think you have a cause in your heart many of you do you got to have a cause in your heart the Bible talks a lot about that it's not enough to know you're saved that's wonderful but you got to really know why you're saved. And then in your case, you've got to know why God brought you to this place. Phenomenal, unique place to be trained. To have a tremendous, beyond measure kind of impact in the kingdom of God. We live in very special time. There's no question we're in the end times. Everything is speeding up so fast. This world has become so small. You know, if the Apostle Paul and his men had had the kind of tools and transportation assistance available that we have today, I mean, can you imagine if the Apostle Paul could have gotten on a jet and circled the, circled the globe in, in a few hours? What he could have done? What, what could he have done if he had had a notebook computer like I carry all over the world? I mean, there would have had been a, a lot more consoles to figure out which of the letters were actually canon, right? I mean... The Bible would have millions of pages if Paul had had a notebook computer. I mean, he wouldn't have been able to stop. And the rest of them, they were so excited because they had found out in a 
in a more first-hand way. But we have the same word of God. Whether it was spoken to them verbally or whether it's been handed to us the way it's been preserved, we have the word of the living God. And you are in a place that is equipping you for life and ministry to fulfill what God has put you on this planet to do. How many of you want to achieve your potential on earth before you go to heaven? How many of you? I would hope every one of you. Are you excited about that? The only way you can begin to fulfill your potential, what God put you on the planet to do, is if you're in the center of his will. If you're in the center of his will. Now, God will let you do all kinds of things. He'll let you do a breadth of things that you could do with your life that wouldn't be sinful to do within the program of God. They wouldn't be against, they wouldn't violate any laws of God. But I want to be careful how I say that. Because if it turns out that, that you really know in the depths of your heart that, that God really would prefer that you would be in what we call full-time ministry, maybe even be a missionary somewhere, and you allow yourself to be distracted into something else, would that be sinful? Would it be sinful to knowingly not follow the plan that you know in the depth of your heart that God has for you? It would not only be sinful, it would be foolish. Because there are all kinds of career distractions. There, you, you, can make lots of money, you can make lots of money being in the center of God's will. I mean, God has put a lot of people in the body who have the gift of giving. And we need them tremendously. And some of you God will use to be presidents of big corporations and to make lots of money. The Bible makes it real clear why he gives lots of money, why he gives all the money to all of us. The purpose of the money, beyond what we need to survive every day, the purpose of the money in the kingdom isn't to see how comfortable we can live. The purpose of the money in the kingdom is to get the good news of our Savior to the ends of the earth. That's the purpose of the money. That's the purpose. And the men and women who understand that, the ones that God has blessed materially, who come to a point in their lives and see that, and they begin to invest without measure, they're almost as full of joy as the people in Siberia who don't have anything but Jesus. They're the ones that have the most joy. They're the ones that have the most. Do you, you believe that? Maybe you've got to see it. Okay? The people in the kingdom of God on the planet today, from my experience, and I speak this with conviction, I see it over and over again. The people whose lives are the most overflowing with joy are the ones who don't have a nice house. They don't even have a house. They don't have a nice car. They don't even have a car. They'll never have a car. They have two or three suits of clothes. I mean, I don't mean suits. I mean two or three shirts, maybe three, and... Got to keep washing them out because that's all they have. And the pair of shoes they have on, when they wear out, they got to get another pair if they can. Those are the people that I observe as having the greatest joy in their heart. Is joy more important than happiness? You understand the difference? Huh? Joy is what's really happening. That's what's really happening. I mean, you want your life to be satisfying? I mean, you want to feel like there's a purpose and meaning? You want to be thrilled? Be overflowing with the joy that only comes from a heart wholly devoted to Christ. Everything else is a distraction. 
Everything else is a distraction. That's why these Russian Christians who have nothing but Christ are so overflowing with joy and so excited and have such blessing because there's nothing in their life pulling them away from their relationship with Christ. It's an unbelievable thing to see. Turn with me in your Bibles, please, to 1 Kings in chapter 8. I have the highest admiration and praise for the staff and for the faculty of the Master's College and Seminary. God has brought you students here to sit at the feet of not only men and women who are experts in their fields, but men and women who are worthy of being followed. Jesus said in Mark chapter 6 that when a student is fully trained, he will be like his teacher. It's way more important to have teachers that you can become like than it is to memorize encyclopedias full of information. Who you are when you finish at this place is way more important than how much you're going to know. You'll accumulate knowledge for the rest of your lives. But who you are characterized. That's why in Wild Week, that's, that's why the distinctives of Master's College are taught and taught so effectively. First Kings in chapter 8. I, I preached from this passage last uh, Saturday. The dedication of a new ministry center in Minsk in Belarus. And by the way, um, I guess it was Sunday. That we dedicated a new ministry center in, in Belarus on, on Saturday. And I'll tell you what that ministry center is in a moment. And then on Sunday, we were there to dedicate a, a phenomenal new church building. Phenomenal. Service was three hours long. Uh, most of the people there were new believers. I, and at least 200 were standing for the whole three hours. Couldn't get them all in the building. They were standing down to the outside of the building, which is typical. Typical. And, and new churches that have been dedicated over in Russia and Belarus and Ukraine the last few months. One church had 350 people coming every Sunday in a little wooden house. God's people in America helped them build a great new, it could only be described as a cathedral. And from one Sunday, the Sunday before Easter, 350 people squeezed in, half of them standing. The next Sunday, into the new building. And the 2,500 seats that they had built weren't enough. There were 3,500 people trying to squeeze into the 2,500 seats. This is the outpouring of the Spirit of God. Okay? It's not happening in many places. It's not happening right now. But it's happening in a phenomenal way. So, last, I, I want to greet Andrew Merzenkov. Uh, Andrew, where are you from Belarus? You here? Right there. Privetsvoye vas. Ya otsin rad vas. Ya vidjo vas mat i vas papa pasledni vas krishenya. I told him I was glad to see him here today. I'd seen his mother and father last Sunday in Minsk in Belarus. And he vas vas brati sestratoja. Uh, they a uh, phenomenal family. They came up to me after the church service and said, we've, we've sent our son to Master's College and, and we're worried about him. Can you check on him? Make sure he's okay. <laughs> said, we want to be sure he's getting enough to eat. I had met him last spring, I think, um, in May or June in, in Minsk in Belarus. And I knew how tall he was, so I knew he needs a lot to eat. So uh, we're so thrilled that you're here. Welcome to the Master's College. Welcome, all of you, really, new students.
Anyway, I, was, I, I chose this passage of the dedication of the Solomon's Temple and preaching at both services last weekend. Now, those of you who know me know that I find from Genesis to Revelation constant references to God's heart for the nations. If there's anything central in the Bible, anything central in the plan and program of God, it's that he wants every person on the planet and every generation to know who he is and to respect him so they have opportunity to receive his Son as Savior and Lord. And so be, look at verse 40, 41 with me. This, is, this dedication of, the, of Solomon's temple, if, you, if you've studied much about it, it may well have been... Um, the biggest event of all time so far. I mean, this was a big event. I mean, this was like uh, bigger than anything we've seen in our lifetimes. And, and Solomon was praying these words, beginning 41, right in the middle of his prayer. Also concerning the foreigner who is not of thy people, Israel, when he comes from a far country for thy name's sake, for they will hear of thy great name and thy mighty hand and of thine outstretched arm. And when he comes and prays towards this house, that means the foreigner, Hear thou in heaven thy dwelling place, and do according to all for which the foreigner calls to thee. He's saying, he's, he's praying to God and saying, when the foreigner, even the foreigner comes, when the foreigner, the, the one who's not an Israelite, when, when, he, when he comes near this temple, and, and he prays, listen to his prayer. Why? He gives the reason. In order that all the peoples of the earth may know thy name to fear thee, as do thy people Israel, and that they may know that this house which I have built is called by thy name. When thy people go out to battle against thy, their enemy, and by whatever way thou shalt send them, and they pray to the Lord toward the city which thou hast chosen, and the house which I have built for thy name, then hear in heaven their prayer and their supplication, and maintain their cause. Keep that in mind. Maintain their cause. Okay? When they sin against thee, for there is no man who does not sin, and thou art angry with them, and dost deliver them to an enemy, so that they take them away captive to the land of the enemy, far off or near, or if they take thought in the land where they have been taken captive, and repent and make supplication to thee in the land of those who have taken them captive, saying, We've sinned and have committed iniquity, we have acted wickedly, if they return to thee with all their heart and with all their soul in the land of their enemies who have taken them captive and pray to thee toward their land which thou hast given to their fathers, the city which thou hast chosen and the house which I have built for thy name, then hear their prayer and their supplication in heaven, thy dwelling place, and maintain their cause. Now, starting in verse 56, he concludes with this benediction. Blessed be the Lord who has given rest to his people Israel according to all that he promised, but not one word has failed of all his good promise. Not one word of God's promise has ever failed, never will fail. You can count on it, which he promised through Moses' servant. May the Lord our God be with us as he was with our fathers. May he not leave us or forsake us, and he never will leave you nor forsake you. When you're preaching through a passage like this in Russia, where the persecution has been so great and where most every family had a father, grandfather sent off to a prison camp, they never saw him again. I mean, the persecution was unbelievable. It was like the government and the party 
had a program and a plan for 70 years to try to turn all the people in the country against the few believers. That was their campaign. But even when that occurred, even when that occurred, they found that God was with them every moment. In fact, where the persecution was the greatest, where the Christians were treated the worst, where the most Christians were killed, where the suffering was the greatest, is where the strongest churches are today. How can that be? It's because God was with them. With them. And so when, when you read this verse there and say, May the Lord our God be with us as he was with our fathers. Boy, it has a significance. As he was with our fathers. May not leave us or forsake us. That he may, and, and here's coming to the heart of the passage. That he may incline our hearts to himself. That the prayer is that, that God would draw our hearts to himself. In our, own, in our own nature, we're not in, inclined toward God as we ought to be. We've got distractions pulling us, as I talked about. We, we're, we're not inclined, even as believers, to have our whole heart going towards God all the time. It's a constant battle and a constant struggle. And we need God's help to stay on target, to stay on track, to stay focused, to stay wholly devoted. And so he says, may, he's praying, may God incline our hearts to himself to do what? To walk in all his ways, all his ways. The key word is all, all his ways. You want God's blessing on your life? All his ways. And in him is no darkness at all. You got some sin in your life that you're just sort of neglecting to acknowledge? Please deal with it because not only are you sinning against God, but in the process you're robbing yourself of God's blessing. You're robbing yourself of the full blessing that God wants to give to you. His commandments and his statutes and his ordinances, which he commanded our fathers, walk in all of those, he's saying. And may these words of mine with, with which I have made supplication before the Lord be near to the Lord our God day and night. Look at this. Why? That he, Solomon, may maintain the cause of his servant. Lord, don't let me lose my cause. Don't let me lose it. Don't let me lose that focus of my life. Don't let me lose that life-consuming awareness, consciousness of what I'm on the planet for. Why am I here? What's the purpose of my life? Don't let it get away from me. And not only was he praying that for himself, but he said, and the cause of his people Israel, as each day requires it, so daily, daily matter. Verse 60, and here's the heart of it all. Why is he asking God to maintain the cause, to help him stay focused? So that, so that. Maybe those are, those are two of the most important words in the Bible. So that, purpose statement, okay? Why, why, why? Always something very important comes after so that. So that all the peoples of the earth may know that the Lord is God. There is no one else. That's it. That's the cause. That's the cause. That's the cause of Solomon. That's the cause of the people of Israel. That's the cause of the church today. That's your cause. That's my cause. And that cause has to be way ahead of everything else in your life and in mine. Way ahead. Way ahead. It's, it's, it's uh, you know, on the one hand, 
I don't, I don't want to encourage you out of a bad motive. I, I, don't want, I don't want you to be doing this just so you have God's blessing. Okay? You, need, you need to be focused on this cause because you're commanded to do it. You're commanded to do it. But, but it's not inappropriate to be aware that as you walk in obedience, you're going to know God's maximum blessing. God is holy. It means he can only be fair. That means when you live the way he wants you to live, you will have his blessing. And what's better than having the unlimited blessing of God in your life? And then finally, verse 61. He says, let your heart, therefore, therefore. What's the therefore, therefore, people like to say? The therefore is therefore. So you think back to the so that again. So that all the people's... Maintain your, so you think back to the maintain the cause, so that, so maintain your cause, so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the Lord is God, there is no one else. Let your heart therefore be wholly devoted to the Lord. Let your heart. Remember, up in verse 58, he's praying this benediction that, that God may incline our hearts to himself. Incline our hearts to himself. He's acknowledging that we need God's help to be walking in obedience. First, our heart must be there. We must want to do it. You must want to walk in obedience to the Lord in complete obedience from the depth of your heart and soul. You must want to do that. But the Word of God tells us this. We don't have enough power in ourselves to do that. We need God's help even to want to do that. And so the point is that we need to be praying that God would help us do that. Maintaining the cause so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the Lord is God. Let your, let your heart, therefore, I mean, if God wants to pull our heart to himself, but God doesn't beat us up. God doesn't say, okay, I'm pulling you to me right now, you can't sin anymore. He doesn't do that. He says, I want to help you. He says, I want to help you. I want to help you walk in full 100% obedience. Your part is to let me help you. That's all. We just got to let him help us walk in obedience. Let him do it, okay? That's how much he wants to do it. We just have to let him do it. What's involved in the letting? In the letting God help our heart be fully devoted, it involves on our part pushing away the distractions pushing away the distractions day by day. What kind of distractions? Everything that there is that pulls you away. Good things. Good things. Lots of good things. There are lots of good things. Good is most is often the enemy of best. Do you know that? It's one of Satan's greatest tricks. One of Satan's greatest tricks. And it's one of the biggest challenges that we have working in the former communist world. If you could imagine over a half a billion people that God has prepared their hearts... One out of a thousand a born-again Christian. If everyone was a missionary, they couldn't begin to get, to get the job done. Very small number of churches. Good churches, because they went through that persecution, but very small number of churches. And through that, through that, I lost my train of thought. I was going to try to fake it, but I just flat lost my train of thought. You know, um, It'll come back to me. I'm sorry. I've had uh, no more than four and a half sleep, hours sleep the last five nights. I knew it would hit me. I, didn't, I hoped it wouldn't write this, this moment. Let me come back to the holy devoted and the distractions. 
the distractions uh, again come to the believer are usually good things to do. They're usually good, good things to do. Wonderful things to do. But they most often get away in the way. And, and what I, so here's what I was saying. There's so many opportunities. I knew it would come back to me. Thanks for being patient. It comes with my age group. Uh, the distractions when you're working in countries where everybody's trying to get saved and there's nobody to tell them. Can you imagine? I mean, there's every kind of ministry. We can do every kind of ministry and have fruit. Anything you can think of, you do it, there'll be fruit. Can you imagine? I mean, here it's hard to find somebody who wants you to tell them. There it's hard to find somebody who doesn't want you to tell them. Okay? It's just that simple. And, and within that, we have to constantly, I'm, I'm with an organization now, I had been with Send International before, I, and I just made a job transition. In the past couple of weeks, I'm now with Slavic Gospel Association, ministry that for 60 years has been focused through the hard years, was, was uh, reaching in under the Iron Curtain and around and over, and a lot of radio ministry, and, and really known as a beacon of hope for the church through those communist years. Uh, and I've been addressing the staff daily when I've been there on this subject doing all kinds of good ministries, all kinds of good ministries, lots of results. But are they the best ones? Keep working on it. Keep evaluating those priorities. Are you doing the best things or are you just doing good things? Okay. What's going to count the most for the kingdom? That's the question. As you look at your life, that's your cause. Remember, that's your cause. Beginning here, wherever you came from, wherever all the relationships that God has given you, you're restored of all that. Everything God's given you already, you're restored of. You're responsible for all relationships in your life, your home church, being encouragement there to your pastor and, and, and all, and back wherever you went to see, wherever you have relationships, you're restored. You're unique in all of that in God's plan and program. And in God's plan and program, His cause for your life, whatever your career is going to be, our cause is all the same. Our cause is this. Our cause is to be focused on our role, each one of our roles, in getting the good news of the gospel to every person on this planet. That is so exciting. I mean, can you imagine? That's, that's your job. That's my job. Every one of us. You're thinking, yeah, but I, I just was thinking about being a school teacher. And it would be great to be a school teacher. Boy, let, let me tell you about being a school teacher. A couple of days ago, I was in Albania last week. Albania is the country where until four years ago, the Constitution required that to be a citizen, you had to be a, an atheist. Okay? By the way, for those of you who know my uh, oldest son, Rob, and his wife, Pam, and, and their little baby, uh, Robbie, they send their greetings. They're doing great. It's a real hard place to live, and they need help. And they said, Dad, you're going to Master's College and Seminary. Recruit people. We need people to come and help us. Well, you know what they're doing there? They're involved with government leaders day in and day out. I mean, they're involved with people that in this country, I mean, one night, Rob said, well, we've got to go over to dessert some night for some new friends. I said, where are we going? I said, well, the guy's the president of the National Energy Council. I said, what do I do tomorrow? I said, well, 9 o'clock, you have an appointment with President University, the main university in the country. Then, then your next appointment is with the director of the National Pedagogical Institute. Then your next one's with the director of the National uh, Institute of Linguistics. And then, uh, and then last one of the day, we, we, we need to go over and go by the textbook publishing company meet with the director there. Uh, and that's who he's working with. He's working with all these government leaders, you know. The people, that their, their ministry goes across the whole country. And it's all dealing with education and the future of that country. And guess what? As I sat down with the director of the National Pedagogical Institute, that means he's in charge of, of all the teaching and curriculum that's going to go on in that country. Every school, 
from preschool through university. Okay? I sit down, we're having a great meeting. He's not a believer. None of these guys are believers yet. They're getting closer and closer. Sitting with him and I almost fell off my chair. He said, you know, teachers from Master's College, Dr. John Hughes, for example, and, and a number of others, I think there have been five professors from here have been over and helping, and people have been coming from Albania here, and a textbook was written, was written um, here last summer. We brought six over, and six of Master's College professors worked with them for three weeks, gave their time in the summer, and now that's the textbook for civics for junior high and college for the whole country of Albania. And he said, uh, he said, you know, you've been sending people over and they're doing a great job helping us with in-service training. In fact, when Dr. John Hughes goes over to Albania, he usually winds up with a 30-minute television program. They just want to interview him about what he's, how he's helping the teachers in the country right now. The newspaper will be full of articles. There'll be, there'll be articles going to every teacher, all 50,000 in the country, just because Dr. Hughes showed up there, you know, and other teachers from here, but he's gone most often. And so Master's College has earned a phenomenal reputation with the leaders of education for this whole country. And so that the background, he surprised me in a wonderful way, saying, saying we need to have a teacher training program for our young people who are going into education. We need to have one exactly. Why? Because God can only be fair. That means if he gave a country over fully to Satan for 50 years. We started going. I was first invited there when I was still with Master's College. I was invited by the Minister of Education before Albania opened to come over as an educational consultant. And the Lord just began. He just began. I don't know why he gave us this, but he did. And so here we have as a campus, the Master's College has a chance to be impacting this whole country and a country that God, for, for his own reason, gave over to the devil really for 50 years. Every church was destroyed. We didn't know of one known believer when we started going over there not in the whole country. And now here we are, you know, a few years later. And the only people we have over there living there are my son and his wife. And, and they need help desperately. There is not one church in the whole country of Albania today that, that, that is preaching the Bible verse by verse or expositionally. In fact, I only know of one church in the whole country that's not charismatic. The, the charismatics and some, some, some real wild ones from like Scandinavian countries went in and people in the government, curious, went to some of these services and, and then they'd come to us and they'd say, they'd say, boy, you know, we, we, we're just, we're glad we met you. We're, we, you're, just, you're just normal people. <laughs> really. I mean, that's, and it's sad to say in much of the world, you got to, first, before you can lead people to Christ, you got you to convince them that you're a Christian who's a normal person. You know, then you begin to have an opportunity, an avenue for, for witness to them. Well, it doesn't sound like I'm recruiting for Albania. Huh? You bet I am. And I, I, and I can, it's a hard place to live. It's one of the hardest places in the world to live. If you fell out of a parachute in Albania, you wouldn't think you were in Europe. You'd think you're in the Middle East. It's very hard. When Pamela goes to the store, when she goes to the mall, guess what the mall looks like? From about 7 in the morning, it's, it's really busy. It's about as big as three football fields. You know, and it doesn't operate on rainy days. I'd give you an idea where the mall is. Uh, and about four o'clock in the afternoon, the mall disappears every day. And uh, do you know where they get their meat? Rob and Pam get their meat on the first floor on Saturday morning in the stairwell. They live on the third floor. How do they get their meat on the first floor in the stairwell? The guy, the guy lives on the first floor has has a little business on the side. Every Saturday morning, he goes to the market, buys three calves, bring them, brings them home, butchers them right in the stairwell. 
Robin Bam, Pam get fresh meat, you know. They don't have to go to a butcher shop where it's all hanging up wondering what's rotten, you know. They got it fresh. They, it, it was just butchered right downstairs, you know. Some of you girls aren't getting real excited about that. <laughs> Pamela wasn't either, but God gives grace. If you're in the center of his will, and it's the worst place in the world, it's the best place for you. You won't even know it's the worst place because that's what God made you for. And you'll be full of joy and you'll know his blessing exceeding abundantly more than you could have ever, ever, ever asked or thought. Boy, my time's almost gone. I'd look at my notes, see what I was going to say. Oh, I forgot to tell you one of the most important things. A word about Slavic gospel. This isn't the important thing. Coming the important thing in a minute. Slavic gospel association. I mentioned began 60 years ago. I used to be with Send International, and Slavic gospel and Send International are working with the same churches. My my organization changed, but my job didn't change. My job is to help the churches of of the former communist world. Okay to help those churches reach their nation. They're the best people I've ever met. And I get to be their helper. I have the two best, some of you who are new, I have the two best jobs in the world. First one, I get to help take the gospel to people who are standing in line to hear. You know? Can you imagine? Almost a half a billion. There's nobody to tell them. Secondly, and numbers have been over on ministry teams, and you know it firsthand. Secondly, I get to help the Christians who gave up everything for Christ, who were willing to die for Christ. Families, churches full of people like that. Either one of those would have to be the best job in the world, and I get to do both of them. And guess what? We need people like you to come and help us. Send International needs more people than SGA does. So if, if God puts it on some of your hearts to come in a career way and to prepare for that, and I would encourage you to go to Send International. Harvey and Don Strauss will be here often. We'll need a few people at SGA, but SGA primarily is doing projects. We're doing projects. And we have these six ministry centers, one in Moscow, one in, in Minsk, we dedicated last Saturday, one in uh, Almaty, Kazakhstan, one in, in Habarsk, which is all the way across Russia, almost to Japan, one in Omsk in Siberia, one in Kiev. And these ministry centers are buildings. They're all new buildings, recently built in the last couple of years. And they're filled with Bibles and good Christian books and evangelistic literature. And the churches come and the pastors come and pick up what they need and we give it to them for nothing. And we also distribute through these ministries. And we do training there. We train pastors and lay workers. And in addition to that, we're distributing humanitarian aid and medicine. We just had a shipment, $600,000 worth of heart medicine. That we're, that's been, they have no medicine. I mean, people are having heart attacks. There's nothing to give them. And so we distribute food and clothing through the churches to the poor. The churches get all the credit. They get it in the name of Christ. They receive the gospel with that food, with those medicines. Uh, and the most recent thing, we're just working out this morning, uh, there'll be a news release going out today from Slavic Gospel talking about how we're now going to be focused on children who are dying of cancer in Belarus because of Chernobyl radiation. When I met with the president of the Baptist Union last Saturday over there, I said, what's your highest priority? He really surprised me. He said, you're going to think I'm going to talk about pastor's training. You're going to think I'm going to talk about getting sponsors for our national missionaries. We need all that. You think about Bibles, and we need all that. He said, but... He said, uh, really, our number one priority now is to help the children that are dying from the radiation diseases. Thousands and thousands of children. They don't even have vitamin pills. They don't have anything. And now the church has, has women working with these children. And so we're going to have a major campaign uh, to, to, to secure vitamins and medicines and food and clothing for these children, and they get evangelized in the process. I mean, they get beautiful little children's Bibles that are illustrated, and, and the women that are working with them, Baptist ladies, will be leading them to Christ. And You could pray for that. I mean, that would be a great ministry. That's going to continue. There's so many, so many thousands and tens of thousands of kids that are dying.
and they're so poor. But I want to tell you, I want to give you a snapshot here of one area. One area over in the Kamchatka Peninsula of Russia. Does anybody know where that is? Kam- Kamchatka. A huh? few of you do. That's great. It's all the way across. By the way, you know how big Russia is? Do you know that when you're standing in Moscow, Los Angeles is closer than the other end of Russia? Did you know that? That's how big it is? It's unbelievable. You just fly. You know, we just started Bible school October 1. It's a master, master's uh, seminaries involved. Kevin Edwards, graduate master's seminary, will go to kick off of this new Bible school in the middle of Siberia that will serve several time zones. The only Bible school for several time zones. Anyway, Kamchatka Peninsula. We just sent a, a ministry team in late July to the Kamchatka Peninsula. We did some research, and we found that on the Kamchatka Peninsula that there were many, many, many villages. Now, a village in Russia is 20 or 30 or maybe even 40,000 people. They call that a village. You know? And uh, only a tiny percent of them would have a church. And they found, we found on this Kamchatka Peninsula 10 villages in close proximity that had never... 10 villages. Okay, so we're talking like 20 or 30,000 people each times 10. So we're talking two or 300,000 people all living in the same general area. They had never seen a believer before. They had never heard of Jesus Christ. They had never seen a Bible. Ten towns altogether. And so we sent a ministry team from Germany. We have, I forgot to tell you, we have a significant ministry operation, Germans, in Germany. Okay, and we sent a team from there to go over and begin to evangelize all the way across those like 12, 13 time zones from Germany. And they decided, they prayerfully decided a plan that it would, wouldn't be wise to go in and, and preach and give invitations for people to come to Christ, but there needed to be some pre-evangelism. So they decided to go in and, and do teaching uh, and went in and made, got permission from the mayors of all ten towns in, in turn uh, and got permission to get the, the biggest meeting place in town. And they began each evening to teach. They start with Genesis. Start with Genesis. And the first night, there weren't a lot of people there. Second night, it's full. Third night, people standing. Next night, more and more people standing. Pretty soon, the whole village is trying to cram in. One of these villages, one of these villages was particularly known for its lawlessness. In this town or village of 20 or 30,000 people, there was not one marriage intact. Every single family divorced and broken. Just, just sin rampant. And guess what? That's the village that was most eager to open its heart to the Word of God. People kept saying every day to them, we never heard any of this. We, can you come back tomorrow? At the end of the week, the mayor pled with them, said, we need this. This is, what, this is it. We found the answer. We never heard, but this is it. We, we have the Word of God. And they haven't even come to giving them the, the full gospel yet. They didn't even come to Christ yet. They're going to do that on the next trip. But these people were so starved to have an authority in their life. What's life all about? And to have the Word of God, they, they knew God had put it in their hearts to be able to recognize the Word of God. You could have such a life. When you finish at this school, you could go to such a place. Can you imagine? Can you imagine getting to take the gospel to whole towns where everybody's just ready and God has prepared their hearts and there's nobody to go to tell them? Do you think you would have more fulfillment than fulfillment than somebody give you a million dollars? You couldn't buy the thrill that you can have as a missionary. I want to tell you, I didn't get to be a missionary till I was 50 years old. I didn't get to be a missionary till I was 50. And if I were in your chair today, my greatest fear would be that God wouldn't let me be a missionary. 
I mean, there's nothing close in terms of, in terms of knowing the blessing of God, being th- sort of go to country, from one country to another, the excitement of all that. I mean, you know, a guy could, could be making $100 million a year and he couldn't begin to have the thrills in his life that I have or that you could have. Couldn't begin. God's brought you here to be prepared for such a life of service. Look back there again, verse 61. Let your heart, therefore, be wholly devoted to the Lord, our God, to walk in his statutes and to keep his commandments as at this day. Now think about it. He's referring back to what we're just saying from the beginning today. What's the cause? What's the cause? The cause of the kingdom and the cause of everybody in the kingdom is that the peoples of the earth may know that the Lord is God. There is no one else. Distractions from letting your heart, therefore, I want to warn you about the distractions here. You know what? One of the distractions that so often, first distraction is to go into the wrong career, to go into the wrong career. That doesn't mean everybody has to be a missionary. Just be careful that you select the career that God has prepared you for and leading you into. Get wise counsel, and there need to be, and there'll be other messages about that throughout the course of the year. And as soon as you know in your heart what God has put you on the planet to do, then start praying for a husband or a wife who is tailor-made by God to help you do what you're on the planet to do. And they're praying for some for a husband or a wife that's tailor-made by God to help them do what God has them on the planet to do, what their specific cause is. Then you wind up with a marriage that will be synergistic. I like to call it partners in the gospel. You see, Jesus said, I've not, he said, I've chosen you and I've appointed you. That means he's chosen us, picked us, saved us, appointed us. That means he's given us a job. And the job, what does he say? That you go, pointed us to go, John 15, 16, and what? Bear fruit. What kind of fruit? Fruit that remains. Spiritual fruit. That's the purpose. Now, when a man and wife come together who both understand that, I think it's the purpose of Christian marriage, quite frankly, that the main purpose of Christian marriage is for a man and woman, both wholly devoted to God, to live and walk in obedience to God together, and then their fruit will be exceeding abundantly. The fruit of that becomes synergistic. A man and a woman and the Holy Spirit, wholly devoted to God, I know I've got that kind of wife by God's, God's grace. And both of my sons, by God's grace, received that kind of wife right here. And I'm watching their lives blossom and bloom. And there's nothing like it. A man and a woman, both wholly devoted to God, understanding the cause, the cause, beginning right here, that that message, that we are the stewards of that message, we have the privilege to be involved in taking that good news of the gospel to all the peoples on the planet. Distractions. See, when he says, let your heart be wholly devoted to God, the other side of that, just to say, I want to make sure everybody gets this. This is so vital because I see kids, young people missing it all the time. People that could be having phenomenal, phenomenal impact with their lives who get sidetracked. And right leaving this place, they get sidetracked. They get sidetracked either, either going in the wrong career for whatever reason or they get sidetracked marrying the wrong person. A person who doesn't have the same call of God upon their life. Don't let it happen to you. 
Wait on the Lord. The right person will come along. You might have to wait a few more years than you thought, but God will send you the perfect helpmeet so you can be partners in the gospel and achieve your potential for his glory. God bless you all. Let's stand and pray together. Our God and Father, thank you for raising up this place. Thank you for Dr. MacArthur and for the faculty and for the staff. And thank you for the parents who sent their young people here. And thank you for all these young men and women who have a desire in their heart to prepare as fully as possible to serve you. Lord, beginning with me, help me push away the distractions so that my heart is fully devoted to your cause and my cause together. Lord, may it be all of our prayer. Lord, I pray for everybody in this room. We pray together. Let our hearts please be wholly devoted to you so that all the peoples of all the nations through our lifetimes will find that Jesus is Savior and Lord for your glory. We pray in his name. Amen. Have a great day.